Andrew Mercado is a US Army veteran who served both on active duty and in the reserves as an 88M motor transport operator from 2012 to 2020 with one tour overseas. His journey into journalism began when George Floyd was murdered in his home city of Minneapolis in 2020. He then had the desire to report on the subsequent riots, unrest and protests. It's a journey that has now led him to Ukraine, where he's become a powerful voice in bringing the war to life on his YouTube channel. Welcome to Slick and Curtain. More content is now available on podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And please do, of course, like and subscribe. And it's super important now to comment, because apparently that's what the algorithm wants to see. Andrew, welcome to the channel. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's let's kick off with your journey because uh, I'd love to explore you know, your time in Ukraine, but Ukraine war wasn't the trigger for your, um, I would say, sort of odyssey into independent media, independent journalism. So, what actually triggered you to to go into this? Yeah, it was uh, two thousand twenty. Uh, I was sitting at home playing Call of Duty Warzone with my friends because we were on COVID lockdown. I was in school to become an addiction counselor. Um, cause I myself struggle with, um, well, I did, I'm in recovery, but I was, uh, I was addicted to pretty, uh, pretty hard substance for a few years. Um, I got out of active duty military and just fell into the wrong crowd, made wrong friends, all that, all the typical stereotypical stuff that led me to a bad path. But I, I corrected, um, course corrected. I, I got myself into a treatment program and then that inspired me to go to school to actually become a counselor and try to give back to veterans, right? Because I'm a veteran that struggled with addiction and I learned a lot and I wanted to trans and I wanted to give that back to other veterans and like teach them how I learned basically and try to make it easier or how, uh, so they can understand a little better. Cause I went to treatment at a VA facility before uh, veterans, uh, veterans care facility. And I didn't really learn a lot and I didn't feel like it was the best program. So I wanted to specifically go back to that and provide what I've learned in school and also my own personal journey to uh, um, that place. But COVID happened and the lockdown and uh, I didn't, uh, school kind of went by the wayside for me because I don't do well at home doing homework. I liked getting up in the morning, taking a shower, going to school. I had a position at the school. I was the president of the veterans club. I was the treasurer of the addiction counseling club. I was really, I was the, for the first time, involved in school like on all levels all levels i was involved there uh, extracurricular activities I, would, I was doing speeches which i don't i am not good at public speaking i don't like standing on a stage and talking to a, a lot of people um, but i was doing things like that um so i was really trying to like transforming doing things that i was uncomfortable with doing but i felt like because i was on a new path that i should do it anyways and just try it and see what happens so um, COVID happened and then um, I'm at home right now I'm playing Call of Duty. I just had to set, I just kind of had to set up the stage for you because it was a unique situation where I'm at home playing Call of Duty. So I'm playing Warzone and I get the, we, the news comes out, um, George Floyd murdered and it was viral. Like the, when George Floyd was killed, it was on Facebook live. It was a live stream. Um, and it was like nine, it was like a 12 minute stream and it was the most, um, I think the most viral, like in your face police murder of a civilian you could see. And it was like, holy, like this was live streamed. So, and this happened in my home city and in, in Minneapolis and Minnesota. Um, so day went by, there was some um, people went out and had held a rally and protested at the police station. Um, cars were spray painted, but journalists or people that identified as journalists at the time um, were like pepper sprayed and tear gassed. And I was like, whoa. Like what's really going on down there? I'm like, why am I at home? And so I'm sitting there playing Warzone and my friends, um, they're like, hey, are you going down there? I was like, we'll go down there with you. <laughs> they didn't go down. I went down by myself, but um, I went down there and I said, all right, I'm just going to see what's going on. I'm tired of being at home. I'm tired of these COVID lockdown briefs because we had to watch those every every day, just watching numbers go up. And I'm, I was just tired of it. I'm tired of sitting at home in lockdown not doing anything, playing Call of Duty, which I like that, but I was bored of it. Um, so I went downtown Minneapolis and I went down to the scene where George Floyd was killed. And this was the next day. This was like the following day. Um, and there was people down there. It was packed. Like I'm talking, I've never seen, because I've never been to a protest. I've never been to a political event in person. 
I was pretty active growing up um, with politics. Like I volunteered for John McCain's campaign. Um, I was pretty active in the Republican side of things because my family was, my parents were, they had us do that. So like, but beyond that, I wasn't ever, I never went to a protest before or anything like this. So I've never seen something like this in person, only ever seen it, how the news shows it or how the news broadcasts it. So I'm there, I'm looking around, like just seeing, I'm just seeing a whole lot of things I've never seen before. And then my friend who I was playing Warzone with messages me. He's like, Hey, you should live stream. You should go live on Facebook. I was like, Oh man, I, how do I do that? There's a live button on Facebook. And like, I think I, I can, like, I was trying to mess with it for like 20 minutes. I had to have someone help me that was at 38th in Chicago. Like, how do I do this? Like I, I need to go live. So then I was live, had my phone for like 20 minutes we're streaming like uh again they just had like dancing and people were doing all types of cultural things were happening at the scene where george floyd was killed and then i'm leaving because i'm like all right uh, this is enough like this was a lot was, i'm pretty overstimulated because it's just a lot happening and then this guy asked me for a lighter because i still smoked cigarettes at the time and so i give him a lighter and he said hey you're going down to the third precinct which was like maybe 10, 15 minutes. Away, no, like 10, 10 minutes away down Lake street from where George Floyd was killed. And this was like the, the big scene of like the, the riots kicked off and like buildings burned shit. So I, uh, this was before it started. So I'm, I, I get my, I, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going down there, but I guess I could go check it out. So then I go down to the third precinct. Uh, my phone batteries at like 10%, 15%, like almost dead. I wasn't prepared for this at all. I wasn't prepared to go down there. So same thing. I walked out there and I just went live on Facebook again, walking down Lake Street towards the precinct. And there was riot police on the rooftop and they had their they had like a like a 40 millimeter grenade launcher with uh, the tear gas in it, just launching at people. And there's like hundreds of people. I'm talking people everywhere. And like the, the across the street, the auto zone was getting looted. Like this is when looting started. And I'm like, holy shit. Like I'm I've never seen this before in life. Like I've seen it in movies. I've seen it in TV shows, like when people are like running into buildings and like grabbing shit, and running out and like that happened. And then like, it was just chaos from that moment on. Um, but I was streaming all of it. I, and I, I was experiencing it, but at the same time I was live on Facebook and I was just carrying my phone around like this, like I'm, I'm looking at it all, but the phone is capturing it with me because I'm just keeping it on. Um, I mean, I had to go get uh, battery packs and people that were watching my stream or like what's your cash app what's your venmo well we'll donate to you so you can go and like they would people were donating like to this to my uh, cash app venmo and i'm running to get shit at the sorry i'm sorry if i swear i'm running to get things at the store um uh, cords or charger bricks so i can stay out people were keeping me out there they were keeping me out there because i was live and there's i think i i had sixty eight thousand concurrent watt viewers 72 that's huge, that's huge. Yeah. and that was on my third stream ever and then the fourth stream was seventy-two thousand, and that was like the following night when it was even crazier so it was a week long about a week long of riots of actual burn buildings burning looting violence on there's no the police didn't even go there after the first day they stopped going to downtown so it was a lawless area like it was the true like lawless I'm talking just unfettered violence I've seen for like seven days in a row. Um, but then after that, the message switched to, okay, violence done. Now that actually the people in the pro that were marching and organizing were like telling the people to stop, like, because people were still looting after the seventh day, like variously, they'd go into buildings that were already looted and see what else was in there. And their crowd was like, stop stop doing that like knock it off or whatever we don't want the police around us like it, it completely changed after the first week to like marching signs chanting like and no more looting no more burning things so i was like okay well i just went through seven days of that i'm about to follow this now and see what's going on with the like what these people are talking about because that was crazy that was a week of insanity and so then i stuck with the the protests and that's what it became like the larger Black Lives Matter movement was like these pro like marching and protesting, but I didn't just stay in Minneapolis. I went to uh, Louisville, Kentucky. I went to the Chop Zone in Seattle, Chop Chaz, that autonomous zone because there was one in Minneapolis. George Floyd Square was autonomous, but the Chop Chaz was like George Floyd Square on steroids. This was a whole multiple city blocks, big big area. And then I also went to Seattle, or I went to oh, Portland. 
in Portland, Oregon. But I went to, and I, went, I just went across the U.S. just following these things, whatever it was, whatever the event was. I mean, then I then the when we started getting closer to the elections, there was like this protests or like Trump rallies, for example, or, and I started going to those as well. I was just I was just I was just streaming everything like whatever was happening in the U.S. in 2020 and 2021. I was out there like uh, attending it, streaming it, talking about it, building a community around it because I knew like, hey, you know, I don't think this is going to last forever. Like the election will come and go, but I'm going to need to keep this community around. So at the same time, I'm building a community as all on Facebook. I, just, I had a Facebook group. I didn't have what I have now. I didn't have a YouTube channel. I didn't have a Discord server. Didn't have a Telegram channel, didn't have any of this stuff. Um, I only had my Facebook page. That was it. But I knew I had to keep these people around. I knew I had to keep my everyone that was watching me. Because I'm telling you, I had as soon as I saw how many people were watching, I said, okay, I guess I'm gonna do content now. <laughs> I guess I'm a con I guess I'm an online content creator now. Cause I, I I'm not guy. yeah, yeah sure. I guess I'm a content guy. I'm not gonna let that go because like I had kind of set it up for you. I just came out of addiction just came out of recovery. Like, um, I don't know what I'm doing really, but now I have all these people watching me and I have all the, I have this community now and I'm like, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing. So I, I went with it and I ran with it and I stopped going to school addiction counseling. Maybe that's in my, maybe I can do a side gig someday with that. But I really just went all in from that moment um, on covering current events. Cause it went from on the ground reporting and I still do when I can, like what, when we'll get to it, I'm sure you have questions, but um but I still do it when I can, but I like to be at home as well here and, and go through the news. And that's kind of what it transformed to, to be like an everyday stream. Cause I can't get out to events all the time. Like there, number one, there isn't events all the time. I can't stream everything all the time. Um, but I feel like at least sitting at home, hanging out with the people that followed me from that time. And then now even my coverage of Ukraine has been really good. And I can still go through all the current events and, Kind of so keep another, what I started going. There's another election coming up, so the crazy might just uh, begin all over again. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. I'm, I'm preparing my viewers for it. I'm, I'm probably going to be back out there again doing what I was doing in 2020. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, in a kind of macabre way. It was quite entertaining watching the uh, the election the last time around. You just didn't know what what insanity was going to happen the next day. But we'll come on to Ukraine in a minute because I think that's interesting. But what fascinates me here is you say you're you know, you're not a confident public speaker, at least you weren't. Um, suddenly you're sort of thrust into doing this. And it's, you know, no matter how confident someone is, it's actually quite difficult, isn't it, keeping a narrative up? It's quite difficult talking uh, while a camera is pointing at you or you're pointing at yourself. And just to keep that entertaining, to keep it clear, to, you know, say things that are, that are actually going to make sense to, to an audience um, and a broad audience, you've clearly gathered a, you know, a, a large uh, and, uh, and 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 loyal audience. Did you find your sort of style developing, or did it did it sort of come naturally? No, I developed over time because um, I, I didn't. I I was making Warzone references in my first stream, like Call of Duty references, because that's what I was. I was playing Call of Duty with my friends, so like I'm making just I'm making jokes of the situation because that's how I kind of cope with it. I'm also a veteran. I served in the military, so I have dark humor. Like I so said, I was I was out there probably making people upset. I have no idea. I actually don't know the actual. I only saw a few friends in my chat, like as it was going, because it was so it was so many people. I had no idea what was really happening in that chat, but I was making jokes, and I maybe wasn't the best place to be making jokes while things were burning. But that's how I was able to get through it and stay out there for as long as I was. Because I mean, there was a lot of physical um, and mental repercussions of being out there. Um, I mean, I got, I can't, I, I can't get through a night of sleep without, you know, thinking of something from that time period or something happens in a dream from that time period. Or, I mean, when the buildings were burning, you could feel the, the, the heat from the building on your skin like that. I, you, could, you couldn't even be like a half a block away from it. And like, I got tan out there from in middle of the night, tan from the sun, from the, for the fires. Um yeah, Sorry. so you, you you got your style, you got your sort of your confidence uh, building yeah. up there. Um, one interesting aspect as well, and I want to explore this whole independent media concept because I think, you know, having people who are really engaged in a particular topic actually is is kind of refreshing. Um, but you have the traditional media, which is very much split along partisan lines. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're uh, broadly speaking, if you're you know 
inclined to vote Democrat, you're not going to be sitting there yeah. plugged into Fox News all day, etc. So you've got quite a divisive media that tailors its content to what it thinks its audience want to hear. And there's a tr- there's the risk, isn't there, of falling into that trap? How yeah. do you avoid that? And do you do you have a perception that your audience are are very mixed in terms of their political views? Oh yeah, I know for a fact my audience is mixed for sure. Like definitely, um, left and right. Um, I I kind of I know I don't have extremist viewers on like the left or the right because you can definitely foster that type of audience like far right or far left um, audiences, and I I think I pushed them away significantly from my own takes and my own. Um, but yeah, I, I you learn. I feel like I've learned over time. Um, how to navigate that. I mean, I, I, I messed up honestly when I first started my stream because um, I told my, my Facebook audience, like uh, I'm an unbiased, I said, I'm unbiased. Um, I'm a, basically a robot, like follow me, you know? And I, I really tried to, I really tried to have this rose colored lens of being completely just no opinions ever. And that was easy to do when things were burning and like things were on fire and riots. Like you, you just, uh, you're a guy in the middle of violence. Like that's the most unbiased situation you're going to find yourself in. Like guy who doesn't commit violence or who doesn't, is not around violence all the time. Like I'm, I was literally just like, what the, what is that? Holy, like I'm like a little kid, you know? So that was probably the most unbiased ever. But then after that, it's like, you have the forces of propaganda and the forces of misinformation and disinformation at the same time, which I wasn't ready for. And it came from my own people or, or I thought it was my own people. Cause like I told you also, like I have a Republican conservative background and my family and friends all like I had, I had very, I had maybe a one or two left leaning friends. Maybe I have no idea even if they were, maybe there's a lot of people on the left in social situations like where I live in Minnesota, they might not necessarily publicly say they're left leaning because uh, it's just kind of how this the culture works around here. Like uh, you're oh you can be openly conservative and Republican, but you're kind of viewed a little differently if you come out left leaning, whatever. And I found out the hard way because um, all I did was just translate what was actually happening. Like from because I told you it went from riots for a week straight to marching and protesting and chanting, and so then I was like people in my chat would come in and say, when are the riots start? When, when are the buildings burning? When are the things like, I'm just like, this hasn't happened for a week. Cause like I kept it going, like a month would go by, two months would go by and people would still come into my chat and I'd have to be like, y'all, there is no more, there's no riots. Like they're, they're marching and chanting. And then people would say, Mercado's so biased now. He is black lives matter. He represents some. He's I'm like, I'm just telling you what is happening. Like I'm telling you what they're doing. I'm showing you what they're doing. Cause it's a live stream. So even if you mute me, cause there would be time I was, I think I was going through a, a period where I had to learn all of this and it was all happening to me, but now I get it. There were streams where I didn't even talk. Right? I wouldn't even say a word. I just streamed the whole thing, didn't say a word. People in the chat would be like, is Mercado okay? Like, And I was just doing an experiment. Like, If I don't say a word, will they still say the same things in my chat? Because I was trying to nav- see how people would react to what I'm showing. When then it turned into, well, if I have to have a community, and if I'm building a community around what I'm doing, then I can't just have unfettered misinformation and people s- saying that this is a riot when it's not and i can't have those people around because then they're going to piss off the people that are there to watch what i'm doing and they understand it's not a riot and they understand it's a protest or they understand what it is and they don't want this troll you know like being cancerous or whatever so it's been a lot it's been a whole transformation of that because it's not just relaying the information it's it's uh curating a community that's based on uh, truth and you got to keep you got to care for that actually but then also the misinformation and disinformation that's coming in at the same time. It's like, I could be out there and stream something and show you, hey, this is a rock or something, or like, this is a, a blade of grass. And then literally misinformation will say, no, it's not. That's a, that's a dandelion or no, it's not. That's, that's the Democrat, that's the globalist WEF agents tricking you into believing it is or something. I'm like, bro. And people believe this and people literally believe like and it's a equal force i'd say um when you're given information misinformation propaganda is coming at the same time at the same speed now and i was learning that in 2020 with my own on the ground reporting it's one thing when i'm sitting here and i have google up and wikipedia or whatever and people can say oh that's just the internet you can anything on the internet but when i'm out there in person and i'm on the ground and i'm like showing a stream like unedited 
and I still had people claiming other things of what was happening, I really had to dig in and understand, okay, what is propaganda? What is misinformation? What is disinformation? And now it's, and it actually led me to Ukraine, which yeah. we'll talk about, but yeah. It's a good preparation, isn't it, for the yeah. informational battle zone, which is Ukraine. But that that just gets me this idea that you can see some kind of BS on 4chan or whatever, and that that's reality, right? And then, but you can dismiss Wikipedia or something else as being completely made up. I mean, it's 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 a kind of odd thing, but unfortunately, it, it kind of it it works. Unfortunately, and uh, we see this in Ukraine, which we'll get onto, no matter how nonsensical uh russian propaganda seems it functions at all sorts of levels so you've got the stuff which is just clear nonsense uh, which can easily be disproved by by you know people on the ground and evidence and so on doesn't stop people spouting it um but what i've slowly come to realize as well is you have a whole other layer which is academia foreign policy experts you know people writing articles and papers you know they've been to oxford they've been here they've been there and they they've they're well considered in their profession and you read it and you think like this is pure nonsense not only is it nonsense it's something that is so transparently beneficial to the kremlin and its interests um you know i'm, I'm not a conspiracy theory nut but sometimes you, you you look at stuff you say okay well this 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 particular person here is apparently an expert has spent the last 10, 15 years uh, saying things that are going to benefit, uh, you know, one dictator or another, um, but they were able to package it up in a, you know, an extraordinarily sophisticated way. So it's, it's, it exists on every single level. How do you get into Ukraine then? I mean, was it through the roof of propaganda or is it more through your services background? So, uh, ironically um, it's the same thing that's why i had to really tell you the how i started the blm stuff with playing warzone because um obviously the blm uh, protests and events ended I, I went i actually went to the last big one which is in 2022 i stuck with that thing to the very end i stuck with the whole blm until 2022 in april and the last event was in no yeah because the war was already happening so it was april and um uh, it was in michigan so I went, I was even covering BLM while well, overlapping the war because um, I had started my war coverage already, but I was at home. This was February and this was the, there was no event or anything, no riots or no rallies, nothing. I'm just, it's 2022. I'm at home. I like, I'm like I am now playing Madden football. Right? I like, I like the NFL. I'm a diehard Vikings fan here in Minnesota. Like I love the NFL. So I'm playing it and I, I'm actually big audience like i have thousands of viewers like one i had 2.2k viewers which is a lot for video games like if you're playing a video game that's a lot of people watching you so i'm like okay i guess i'm i guess i'm gonna i'm guess i'm gonna uh become a video game streamer and just stream video games now because i'm gonna go with what is what's working because that's where i'm at like that this is success for me now it's fine like that was two years almost two years of coverage of riots and pro like, i'm tired i'm tired of getting tear gassed and flash banged and all this video games are good so i'm cool with that but then 24th comes around and i'm playing and my chat just starts my chat comes in and my live my madden stream and they're like hey you see vladimir putin's speech i think they're invading ukraine i think he's about to invade ukraine and i i, I had no idea it was even happening i i didn't i didn't i wasn't in tune with ukraine i wasn't in tune with russia at all i was in my own world it was just a lot of internal u.s stuff going on I really was not looking geopolitically at all, like what was happening in the rest of the world. So I'm like, okay, I guess we have to figure out what's happening. Cause it was more than one person. It was a lot. Like it took over my chat kind of, and I had a lot of people watching my football stuff. So I'm like, okay, we'll fire up my, my news channel, Mercado media, and I'll just see what's happening on the internet. Like, I don't know what, there's another situation where I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what was happening. I'm playing, I'm playing video games and here we go again. <clears throat> so I pull up my, my webcam, I turn on my webcam, pull up Twitter when it was still reliable um, before Elon bought it. And I just, there was a lot, there's like Putin speech and then just a lot of accounts that were verifying that, yeah, Russia's invading, it's happening, here it goes. And so we I reacted to Putin's speech with the English subtitles. And I said, holy shit. I'm like, what is happening here? And then it went to that. And then we pulled up YouTube and there were CCTV, CCTV cameras all across Ukraine 
at the time. There's still some, but this was like, they were everywhere though at this time. And we, I didn't watch the news. We didn't even watch the news. I didn't know what the news was saying about what was happening because we were watching live feeds of the Russians entering Ukraine. Like we were watching their their tanks, we had their Soviet flags on, the Zs all over them, BMPs entering. We watched, We literally, I was up at, it was 3 a.m. one night, 3 a.m. And like the Russians were staging vehicles and like we literally watched on air of them smash a camera. Like we're watching the feed on YouTube, Russian soldier smashes the camera while I'm watching it live. I'm like, holy, f like this is the most, like I, I, I was out there for 2020, but this, I've never seen an invasion live before. Like we were watching it happen. We weren't, we weren't watching any. It's like the first in history, isn't it? I mean, this yeah. is the most uh, filmed yeah. and documented. <clears throat> the one of the most transparent, open source documented wars ever. Yeah. And we were, and this is how we watched it. We, I'd have um. I'd have uh, Maidan feed and St. Michael's feed on because they're the in Kiev, right? So we'd check on Kiev and we'd have those feeds up, air raid alarms going off on the feed all the time. And every time the air raid alarm would go off, you'd think the worst because the there was, an, there was obviously the three days to take Ukraine and everyone thought that Russians were just going to come and take Kiev. Like, so we're watching, like preparing for the worst, like seeing the air raid alarm. Okay, shit, are the Russians coming? Like, holy shit. And we're keeping up to date with the battle map because we I use the UA map, the live UA map, and that would have all the geolocated pings of of landings or arrivals from missiles in the in the cities. So we check out and it just that, that it went from I don't know what I'm doing to okay live feeds around Ukraine to check the battle map, check the map, and then it really just transformed from there. And then of course um, you went to Ukraine. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, at some point, uh, it, 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 it adds the credibility, doesn't it, to actually go there and see it on the ground, meet people, and it adds the richness of your reporting. And I can see the NAFO, uh, you know, big, big thing in the background there. And I know from some of your videos, um, oh, yeah. we'll talk about that in a minute, because, you know, getting the convoys, getting vehicles over, you know, incredibly uh, important. But this ties up with, with humor, doesn't it? I mean, first of all, you're looking at all this live feed and footage and it undercuts the propaganda narrative because there is the physical evidence. So it ties in what you've done before, but it's also a very powerful way to tackle uh, propaganda. Um, and then you've got black humor and, you know, NAFO took a little bit of time to, to, uh, to, to get going, but a couple mm -hmm. of months into the war, you've got this incredible meme factory based on, you know, shit posting, black humor, dark humor, and extremely effective accounting propaganda. So, how did you fit into all that? Did you feel that this is this is you know this is your uh, this is your community here, and you're tuned into their their wavelength? Like I told you, I was out there while riots were happening, making jokes, like cracking jokes while buildings were burning down. I mean, it just it just I fed in. I got my veteran. I have the dark humor. We made light out of bad situations, and uh, NAFO really just I I got onto it before it really even took off the georgian legion was the only way to get a fella he had to donate to the georgian legion this was like march i think of 2022 and i said okay i get to donate to an actual ukrainian unit and i get a cool little fella out of it so I, that's what happened i donated to the georgian legion they made me a fella and it was great now it's like you can get fellas all in, in multiple sources oh, yeah. now but the i got only my way april the, so yeah i yeah, got my georgian legion yeah that's there, the true OG, yeah true OG NAFO fellas got theirs from the Georgian Legion because they were the only ones doing it at first. Um, so yeah, I had mine in a Vikings jerseys, a Justin Jefferson jersey with a high Mars behind him. It was awesome. But it, it really, it really counters the Russian propaganda because Russian propaganda um, relies on people not just even looking into something. Like they truly treat the people receiving this propaganda as st stupid. And it works because people are uh, not intelligent. Um, or even just look beyond the surface layer of a of a headline. Like they will take the headline and run with it. And Russia knows that, so they're like, okay, we'll just put a we'll put a title on there with just a whole bunch of garbage in the actual story. But they're not going to read that. So that's really what it was: was the life like seeing Russia do what they were doing to Ukraine live without a about any type of a filter, whether it be U.S. media or any type of a media. It was literally just Ukraine CCTV camera pointing it at Russian tanks, watching them enter. Like they they called it a, a special operation. They didn't even call it a war. You were gonna get put in jail if you called it a war. And like this is insane. We're seeing it happen with our own eyes. So 
it really undercut everything the Russian propaganda was doing and the people that were in tune with what was happening uh, with Ukraine. The Russian propaganda was never able to work on them because from day one, they were watching Russians enter Ukraine. So even just the we're not at war with Ukraine propaganda, which is what Russia started with, um, didn't even take hold, let alone all their other narratives and uh, revisionist history that they have going on uh, for Ukraine. But it was just the we're not at war with Ukraine. But then people were live watching Russians enter the country. That was it. Like. Russian propaganda was never going to take hold with the majority of people following the war, which is and at good. the same time, you know, Ukraine's full of Nazis, even though the president is Jewish, Jewish. and, you know, all, all this kind of lies on such a monstrous scale and told with such sort of no embarrassment whatsoever. And it really does recall the kind of Goebbels line, isn't it? It's like the bigger of the lie, the, the more believable it's going to be. You have to you have to tell that lie with absolute conviction and belief. You can't deviate or apologize. You just got to, once you start on that route of lying, you've got to go big and keep going. Yeah. And if the Russians are shown one thing, I mean, apart from dying like flies um, at the, you know, behest of their incompetent commanders, the other thing I think it demonstrated in two years is their ability to lie. And unfortunately, the lies are more effective than their battlefield tactics, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Their their propaganda is their hybrid warfare. They fight with that because their military is not good. Right? No strat their military strategy is absolutely not working. Even their meat grinder strategy of trying to overwhelm Ukrainian defenses isn't working now at this at this current stage where we're at. It's not working. So they're not who we thought they were. They aren't the second military of the world. They just are a giant country with nuclear power. That's what it is. And then and propaganda. And and of course, you know, unlike uh, unlike US, unlike Europe and other countries, the 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 value placed on individual life um, doesn't seem to be nearly as 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 great. Um, even though, and this is this is the tragic bit because you know I, I speak Russian, and you see interviews with with people, and you you know many do support the military operation, but you also get many people who. You know, they'll go along to the recruitment office because, you know, this can't be right because this isn't legal. I've got a disability or something. And there are a lot of people actually that that trust and believe still, despite all the evidence, in their in their leaders. And they trust and believe in the kind of myths that have been created to keep them compliant. And one small part of me has a tiny amount of pity for them. Um, doesn't last very long. But you know, just just to naively to, to to go to your deaths uh, and and get sucked up into these myths and believe that your leaders are working in your own best interest. I mean, quite clearly, they, they couldn't care less about these uh, individuals at all. No, it's their numbers. It's it's literally just numbers. They don't have any moral moral code. Nothing. Um, I mean, they have the the belief, right? The Ruski Dusha, where they're born into this holiness and they have this power and like you die you become ultimate or something i don't know the after you death for the belief but i know you're in the in russian belief you're born into this holy of holies and you and so they don't care they don't actually care about life on this planet you're a number and you're gonna go die for whatever the kremlin wants at least that's how i see it yeah i mean i i'd uh, uh i'd go to parties i go to people's houses and uh in the 90s this is you know before putin and all this and uh you know i'd be i'd be told by some people who uh you know that that uh oh you know it's such a shame that your soul isn't the same as ours and uh you know you're not you're not going to be going to a good place when you when you pass on and they'd say that with some degree of pity and uh yeah then when they found out that i thought the whole thing was made up then they were quite horrified but no there is this exceptionalism there's this belief that, that that somehow you know this russian superiority um despite you know all the evidence to the to the contrary and then there's ukraine ukraine seems to me to be very different characteristics and uh you know one of the chief characteristics of the russian orthodox religion is supposed to be humility well that's not a word you tend to associate with too many russians i mean i know some who, who do exhibit those those characteristics and and you know, I've got uh, friends and now sort of acquaintances from running the channel who who uh, are, uh, you know, humble, generous, empathetic, and so on. 
but unfortunately on mass that that's not one of the characteristics ukrainians however strike me as, as actually having a, an extraordinary degree of uh, humility you know despite the incredible achievements um and the fact they've held the russians off with such extraordinary bravery there seems to be a, a sort of uh yeah there seems to be some kind of reserve there humility dark humor as well i mean but what's your impression of uh uh, because you knew nothing about Ukrainians and, and obviously it's been a bit of a learning curve. So yeah. what impression have you formed of the country and the people? That's exactly, I mean, you nailed it on the head of humility, uh, being humble, um, thankfulness. I mean, I, I was, it was, I turned 30 years old in Ukraine um, and we were out walking around and a group of, a group of young Ukrainians were like, what are you doing here? Like to me and my buddy, Alex, who's, who's from the UK and we said, oh, we're here to deliver trucks and aid and drones. And like, oh, fuck. Oh, my. Thank you. So like they just thanked us for like five minutes, like five minutes in a row. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is I've never been thanked like this for something like this before. I'm just trying to go about my day and do what I do. I, I, I'm bad at receiving uh, compliments and thanks and all that. So I'm just like, thanks. Yeah, we'll continue. We'll do the best we can. We'll keep bringing more. But it was the they were pure at that, though. Humility. Honor integrity um all the basically the army values that i was learning when i was in the military uh, i learned that uh, a lot of ukrainians have that um traditional values um very traditional which is makes me mad because a lot of people in the u.s i don't know i don't want to pivot too much but people in the u.s politically are having issues with internal politics um and those that are that should be for Ukraine that are for traditional family values and a more conservative ish type um, that would be the support for Ukraine. But unfortunately due to Russian propaganda and also our internal nonsense, um, I, I, cause I, I don't know. I don't know. I actually, I don't know if it's an internal U S thing where they act this, the, I'm just going to say it, the mega Republicans. Uh, I don't know if they actually aren't for traditional values and they're just saying they are, and they're just populists or they or they really are and they're not receiving the message that hey ukraine is this traditional like family values uh, you know work hard um agriculture farmland like it really is that it's just mm -hmm. and, it's, and you really feel it there and you feel you feel appreciated you feel like you're you're putting in the work it, it's just a, a society and a culture that I like I I I grew up thinking that that's what life was going to be here in the US. Um I I guess it can be. But I really felt it more so when I was in Ukraine like oh man this is like what I was raised to like thought think life was going to be like this traditional lifestyle you get a wife and then you have a house and then you have a chickens or something like but this is a reality for ukrainians like you have like a plot of land and like you you tend to that plot of land and you can give back to the the village that you live in and like this is all what ukraine is about and it was just a really really good experience to experience that but also like that's what i thought life was gonna be but i had to go to ukraine to see it that's the extraordinary thing isn't it because ukrainians as well as, and I, I got this impression in uh, Lviv as well. I know there's different areas and there's different characteristics, but what really struck me in Lviv, we went out into the countryside after we'd done the event, and uh, you know, there's a brilliant guy there called Arest Zub. Uh, he took us out into the countryside and uh, mm, went, to, went to his cool. dacha. No, oh, Arest is good. Yeah, he's, he's he's absolutely brilliant. So we went out into the countryside. Uh, Johnny uh, FD was there, and we went. We just drove around, kind of exploring and finding stuff, and it was. Uh, you know, people to meet stuff to do and uh, go and find some really sort of fresh, untainted food as well, which we did. Um, but what struck me was the the little houses in the village. Um, everything was so neat. You know, obviously you have some houses that are a little better off than others, but generally they're all in the same kind of size and scale. So no one's really kind of showing off. You don't get these big houses surrounded by high security walls and whatever, which you get all over Russia. When everyone's got money, they build big walls around themselves to protect it because, you know, if you stole it, someone's going to come and steal it from you. So there's this, mm. this, this kind of, you know, uh, I would call it a sort of almost thieves culture there Damn. or distrust. If you want to be yeah. uh, less judgmental, it's a distrusting. Whereas here in, in Ukraine, you know, all the gardens pretty much were neat. Some are super cultivated, some are a little rougher, but they're all really, you know, nicely kept. And the, the fruit trees, you know, I pointed this out to Arrest. He, he was like, well, of course, no one's going to come in and steal the fruit. I'm like, well, you say that, but 
if this was some Russian villages, like, you know, that tree, if you left your house alone for the weekend, you'd come well, back just, and yeah, it wouldn't also be there. Sim also, as simple, too, is I, I would translate it to Americans. Like, I would go for walks in Ukraine in, in Kiev, which is a major city, massive city, at 10 o'clock at night, you know, 9 o'clock at night. I can't do that here even in the U.S. You know, I can't go for a walk in my neighborhood at 9, 10 o'clock at night. It's you got people that are out there doing things that are, you know, like thievery or, you know, vi committing violence. It's just it's just not a safe time to be outside walking in the United States where I live. Now, there are places in the U.S. where you absolutely can. Um, but uh, Kiev is a major city. You know, I wouldn't go walking in downtown Minneapolis. I would not go walking in St. Paul, which is a safer city. But I, I just would not go in a major city at 9, 10 o'clock at night for a walk. But you in Kiev, though, absolutely. You can go for a walk whenever you want. You can go for a walk, obviously within the curfew due to the Russians. But um, before curfew, though, you can go for a walk, you know, and you're fine. You're safe. You know, where you're not going to get mugged. You're not going to get, you know, you're not going to have a thief come up to you or anything. And I think, yeah, I think, yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic, you know. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, you have to, uh, bars and stuff are closed down at a certain time and you've got to get off the streets. But um, the, the MAGA thing, because I think, you know, when I first put the channel out, um, I did a couple of episodes about uh, Trump and I very quickly realized that actually this sounds like a complete contradiction, um, that there there are pro-Ukraine MAGA people. Mm -hmm. And actually, my channel had quite a, quite a few. And actually, they were extremely engaged in uh, debate and comments and so on. And of course, when I throw these lines out about Trump, which seems sort of natural to me, because uh, I, I still, you know, I find him vaguely entertaining, but I find him also very threatening. I'll be completely honest about that. I'm, you know, not a not a big fan. And um, but I realized that I have to sort of moderate my language. I have to use evidence. I have to. Uh, I'm not. You know, we're all here for Ukraine, so I'm not going to alienate people. But you know, if there's propaganda there or something I feel is dangerous, or well, kind of call it out. And um, I actually had quite a constructive debate with many of them, and we explained our points of view in a, in a relative, usually a relatively polite way. So it got me thinking that actually there probably are a huge number of really, you know, normal, as you say, decent people with with um, strong uh, sense of values or value systems. Um, but it seems to me that, that the guys at the top are clearly on some kind of grift, but they've managed to convince people, managed to convince people that they are genuine and they share those same values with them. Um, and that's one of the tragedies there, because you say Ukrainians um, have this incredible yearning for freedom. Mm -hmm. They have a, a distrust of their leaders uh, and they have a distrust of leaders because, you know, they it's it's uh, they there are a lot of leaders who who are on a bit of a grift and they kind of, you know, they're tuned into to spotting yeah. that. It would seem to me that the, the Ukrainians are made for uh, more traditional, you know, Reagan-esque or Republican values, but there's this there's this strange kind of uh, rift that's been created. Yeah, it, it, it's it's the populism of it, right? I think that's what it really is. Is we're we're, we're not. It's not so much the the voters is what I've noticed. It's not so much like regular like like somebody that supports Trump, for example, like that. But, but most of those people probably also support ukraine but it's the political leaders right those that hold power like our speaker of the house or the house of representatives that have the freedom caucus the 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 actual maga politicians that spin the narratives for the voters and that's the problem is those that are getting power within that and then spinning spinning things for for reasons that i am still trying to figure out like we, we i went to the i went to congress in september to try to advocate for this big bill that we're trying to get through that has israel southern border and uh ukraine on it there was a, a unitary attackums on it as or unitary attackums bill of uh, expedited f-16 training it was just it was a great experience like i i was like oh wow i get to go to dc and actually advocate for ukraine in a meaningful way um but now we're waiting for that still to get through and it seems like it's 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 like twitter propagandists and the MAGA wing of the politicians that are keeping it back. Um, I'm not, yeah, because I have a ton of people that definitely support Trump that support Ukraine as well. Um, it's, it's, I think what it is also too is they're not being honest with what their plans are for Ukraine either. They're kind of leaving it like, you know, you know what I mean? Like Trump is like, I have this magical 24 hour fix. 
I would like to see what that uh, that plan is. What does that entail? Like, give me give me some idea of what that looks like. Um, but that just saying that, I think also keeps the uh, MAGA Trump supporters still in uh, like supportive of Ukraine, which I guess is a good thing. That's good. But at some point, we're going to need to know what this plan is if he's got this magical fix. I have an idea of what that fix is, but I don't. You know, I don't. I only say it when it comes up. Like, I don't want to like upset people too early with what i think that plan is i'm hoping trump comes out and says what he what it is himself i mean it's 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 one of two ways isn't it well three yeah. ways one way is to do absolutely nothing and uh you know sit on the fence as it is currently the other way of course is to simply bring the house down and uh uh crash nato and hand europe to the russians i mean that that's mm. that's one option there and i think that's the one those of us who instinctively look at Trump think nothing good can come of this. That's the one we we think they, that's what he's going to do. But it's not necessarily the case. I mean, I've heard an alternative version, which he has a quiet word with Putin and says, OK, withdraw from Ukraine, um, you know, in two weeks time or whatever. Uh, and if you don't, we'll give Ukraine literally everything it needs to eject you. And that that's a version I've heard. And that that. that that could work. That's a show of will and a show of force, which uh, Putin would understand. Um, but I doubt whether he'll reveal the plan until the last minute. Yeah, I don't think he will. But and I also, I also judge my assessment of what I think his plan will be based off his own actions, like Trump trying to pull us out of NATO, um, cozying up to Putin himself personally. Um, it's it just, it's just things that have happened while he was the president that lead me to believe that this magical 24-hour plan is just Putin keeps hold of the territories. and But there's a ceasefire, though. No more war. No more fighting, right? Which is crazy because Ukraine's not going to accept that, right? Ukraine's not going to be like, we're not. No. But in his in his mind, in his theory, that's what he's what is what the 24-hour peace plan is. And that's obviously not good. But how do I guess how do what, do, what are ways that you with your channel? I'm going to flip back to like explain that to mega trump supporters or are you going along those lines it's it's tricky you know um i i the linkage i'm trying to create here is uh because there's a continuity i think between you know russia's behavior um there's some continuity with Cyrus times, but there's definitely a lot of continuity with uh in soviet times and the kind of brutality of stalin and so on so I don't try to make those historical connections and say, look, this guy, uh, Putin, this espousal of so-called, you know, orthodox Christian values, uh, the so-called morality, which you think you're actually closer to than, you know, the Democrat values, etc. I just try to unpick that and say, no, this is all BS. This is all invented stuff. This is the same entity which the US managed to lead the world to 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 to, to crash it and uh, and and bring that system down and uh, i think history is showing that uh, you know despite the terrible things that went on despite some of the terrible disasters in vietnam and others are fairly catastrophic broadly speaking however what uh, america managed to do was provide uh, an extraordinary backbone in standing up to the soviet union and sort of holding the tide of what I think of, uh, you know, is the zombie apocalypse, which is uh, not even communism, but Russian power control and influence uh, taking over and spreading its tentacles. And uh, what you've got now is, 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 is similar, except it's, it's even more pernicious in that uh, strangely the Soviet Union did have boundaries and, and limits as to what it was prepared to do. And it even had in a weird way, a kind of we call it morality but it you know we will do this kind of thing but this kind of thing is beyond the pale because we still want to be thought of as a, a civilized entity today's russia doesn't care i mean nothing nothing is uh is off the table that's what it seems like it seems just uh, like a society like you said zombie apocalypse type society you know it's just keep it keep it uninformed keep it ignorant um lots of alcohol like alcoholism right lots of drinking and say uh, the supreme commander knows all does all and that's not i have no idea why people in the west are looking to that as some type of an alternative 
because they don't like Western policies or which is fine, right? Now our policies, we're not perfect in the West. We don't have every policy we have isn't perfect. We aren't like a utopia. However, our system is far better than Russia's system, which is supreme commander at the top. Nobody does no he does no wrong. And then the rest of the society just kind of falls in. And 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 also the the lowest are at the low. And it doesn't really the there isn't really much opportunity there, like individual growth, individual opportunity. I know I couldn't start a media business company in LLC or a, a media company in Russia. And I have an LLC. I pay taxes. Like I have a business to do what I do. I couldn't start an independent media and just talk about whatever I want in Russia, criticize Putin, criticize the government or whatever. If there's a bad choice, I criticize Biden. I criticize my own state government all the time here on my stream. And I, I'm glad I live in a country where I can do that. I'm glad I live in a place where I have the freedom of speech to do so. You'd be hauled out. You'd be hauled out long yeah. ago and dragged, oh, yeah. dragged off. Which yeah. uh, you know, and even even uh, as they're finding out now, even guys who um, very much uh, you know were a part of that Russian elite and the propagandist, you know, if they just go too extreme or if they create a profile that's too big or they go off script, as it were. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of Prigozhin here went a little bit off script, you know, with his with his mutiny. Um, but uh, Vladimir Tatarsky, you know, the, the Z blogger who got blown up by a mm. bust of himself. Um, you know, if you develop any kind of idea that you're an independent agent and you're going to go off script and do your own thing, well, that's it. You're 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 kind of curtains. Um, and uh, Ukraine is different, isn't it? So, I mean, one of the criticisms here is like, don't fight for Ukraine because it's not perfect. Or, you know, they're still developing their de democracy and institutions. Well, we all are. I mean, all our democracies are a work in progress. Yeah. And I think what you said is key there. It's like, can you affect change? If you want to go out and change something, and a lot of people don't want to do that. But if you want to, are you going to get arrested and beaten for doing that? Or... Do you have a chance of doing that? And I think that's what makes Ukraine similar to us in that there's the there's the potential to affect change and progress. And even too, even while I was there on Krishatik, people were holding rallies and little protests like against the own government for like money not getting to the soldiers or too much money being sent to a certain uh, ministry. I think I believe I was explaining they were having protests out there. And that's that's Western as hell. It's something that we do over here. Um, and they were doing it without police around or, be, or beating anyone or anything like you'd see in Russia. You try to gather for an anti, even an anti-war rally, you're done. Meanwhile, you had, and meanwhile in Ukraine, you had propagandists, and I, we could go in tangent on that. But you had for like Gonzalo Lira there for a year, unfettered propaganda, taking pictures of mi missile positions, and the SBU didn't go after him for a year. They, they gave him every opportunity to stop doing what he was doing before they went and got him. So they gave him multiple warnings as well. Multiple. He was told you got to cease and, you know, multiple before. And then, yeah, he got what was coming to him, but it was, it, it's, it's just night and day difference, let alone me. Right. I, I'm going to use myself as an example. I'm from the United States. I'm not Ukrainian. I don't have a Ukrainian media company. However, I went to Ukraine and was doing interviews with people and talking to people and seeing things and recording things and filming and editing. And I didn't have the SPU contact me once. I didn't have any government agency say, Hey, stop. Or, Hey, we need a, you need approval for this. Or no. it was nothing like that. It was amazing. I was like, man, I can't wait to get back and do some more journalism because it's just such a, I mean, it's what we have here. Like I can go out in my home city and go and interview someone or make some new or make some news. Go and talk to a restaurant and see what they're up to. I can do the same thing in Ukraine. Yeah, and that's very powerful. And again, I, I didn't know what to expect, but um, we're out there in Lviv doing the event, recording stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, quite quite the opposite of having the SBU or someone coming and knocking on the door. Um, we had the mayor popping up and saying, all oh, right, we heard you're in town. Do you want to... Do you want to come and do an interview in the town hall? And so we uh, we were in in Lviv, uh, in the mayor's building, doing a nice little interview on his balcony in the center of the town. And I think that's um, that 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 also shows that individual politicians um, have the ability to create their own agendas and and make a difference. You know, even if they're not part of the same party of the uh, you know as the as the president and so on. So that was that was a great sort of uh, experience there. Um, 
We'll, we'll 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 wrap on a minute. But what's your plans for going back? Are you you uh, have you got any trips on the horizon? I want to do another NAFO convoy. Um, that's kind of what got me into Ukraine to begin with. Um, I wouldn't have gone to Ukraine physically. I didn't have a. I didn't even have any plan to go to Ukraine until after the war. That's what most people say. I'll go to Ukraine after the war, and I really hope they do. Uh, but I was definitely saying that. Um, I did have plans too, but I didn't have any clear plans. But here it came, a uh, fundraising opportunity with my YouTube channel because I cover the war every night on my channel. So um, it went from fundraising for corporate nonprofits and because you can do that on YouTube. You can pull up a fundraiser and pick a, a nonprofit and fundraise for it at any time, which is a great feature. But I didn't know if Ukraine was receiving all of that money. Like YouTube for sure takes a cut. The CEO of the nonprofit gets a cut. The employees get a cut. Like, And it's just natural, right? That's how you keep the nonprofit alive. But it's, you know, how much of that money is Ukraine really getting at the end of the day after it's touched so many hands? So we we switched over to trying to find fundraisers and and direct help, like direct aid to the soldiers on the ground. And the NAFO 69 Sniffing Brigade um, was the one where you know you can fundraise a truck and then you can see it hand off to the soldiers and the whole process is okay this is transparent as hell and so then we started with that now i did four convoys last year so four trips from Tallinn to kiev 30 hours at least of driving um and i want to do one more so that way i've done a convoy in every season in ukraine so i want to do a springtime convoy Fantastic. Well, let me know uh, when that's kicking off. We're trying to get um, vehicles, four, four by four vehicles in London that are uh, about to be scrapped because they don't meet the pollution requirements anymore. Hundreds of vehicles. And, you know, the, these are perfect because vehicles don't last that long, do they? You know, at the no. front, a couple of months and they're, they're shot to pieces. So these would be absolutely ideal. And I know there's uh, quite a bit of uh, lobbying at the moment. Um, so I would I would expect quite a big hopefully a big convoy of four by four setting off from London at some point in the next uh, couple of months, uh, fingers crossed. And uh, yeah, hopefully they can get a few uh, NAFO uh, graphic graphics done on some of those uh, that would make, uh, that would raise a good bit of awareness because this, this story, you know, I mean, in Britain, there's, there's far less of this, um, you know, party, but they haven't turned Ukraine into a political football here. Um, there's only really some extreme elements I would say on the left, that uh, are calling for peace, as in, you know, let let Russia do what it will. Right. Um, right. But generally speaking, the consensus I think is, you know, somewhere like eighty, ninety percent support of, of Ukraine, and it's it's not a political debating point at all, which is uh, which is good. It's just the bureaucracy, like these vehicles are going to be scrapped. That's just kind of bureaucracy and regulations getting in the way. But if we can, if we can overcome that, that would be a good thing. I think we got i think we have issues in the united states i don't know i think we have a couple problems going on but yeah it's i, I i'm with rose-colored lenses I'm, i would say the people of the u.s like regular people strong percentage support ukraine like the majority still it's the political like you said political football and the politicians right now and playing games and i think it's also russian influence over american politicians as well yeah, well, this is this is I think what we're doing with our channels. We're trying to present an alternative version of reality. It's not uh, hopefully tainted by uh, you know associations with large commercial media and their editorial biases, uh, their stakeholders and funders. Um, so the kind of independent media you're doing is I think incredibly important. And this is why I put out like you are a video a day because you have to create something people are going to tune into. You have to create an alternative view of reality to counter what is 24 7 propaganda yeah the 24-hour news cycle is now the 24-hour propaganda cycle it's it, what was a good idea maybe in the past has turned into a nightmare well good luck with everything you're doing there and uh let, let us let us know um when you're uh, you're going to be in the area as it were well, within a couple of thousand kilometers and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah especially with the, the convoy kicking off that's something uh I think that would be very powerful to, to get involved in that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for having me. And interview. it was a great interview. It's always good to go back and over my own history of what we've done and reflect on it. And it, it provides me a clear picture of what I want to do in the future now. So I do significantly appreciate these conversations and having me on.
No, me too. This has been uh, been lots of fun talking here, and I've got a lot of lot of insights out of it. I'm very grateful to uh, Operator Starsky who kindly uh, did the introductions and yes, recommended did. we have a chat. He wasn't wasn't wrong there. No, nope, not at all. Shout out to <laughs> Operator Starsky for this one for sure. Well, this is brilliant. This is going up on Sunday, so that's when people will see it. And uh, yeah, I look forward to catching up again. All right, Jonathan. Thank all you right. so much. Cheers. Right. Have a good evening. Cheers.